0: Before I jump in, I want to say a uh, thank you. Uh, many of you have, over the last weeks, given generously for our school supply drive for kids uh, here in the neighborhood and for those at Monroe. I, I, I just want to say, truly, thank you for being a generous church for having that heart to say, how can we, how can we meet needs of folks here in our neighborhood? You know, I, I, we more than realize, right, that one of the the, the thing we can be most generous with, the, the most important thing we are generous with is the gospel. But we also realize, thank you, we also realize that there are a lot of ways we can meet needs right here in the neighborhood. And I love our partnership with Monroe. In fact, uh, this Friday, the 26th, is that this Friday? Yeah. This Friday, the 26th, we're providing a uh, breakfast for the teachers and the staff at Monroe. We do this annually. It's a sort of welcome back for their teachers. They spend that first week before they've got kids getting ready for school and uh, getting their team ready. And we come alongside them and just say, hey, thank you for letting us partner with you. Thank you for this opportunity. Um, You guys gave so many school supplies and on top of that, over $1,000 to help support the kids and the staff uh, and Monroe, and we want to say thank you for your generosity. If you'd like to help with the breakfast this Friday, let Julie know, let me know. Uh, we would love to have some people who jump in and help out with that. Uh, it's nothing complicated. We're not prepping like mass breakfast kind of thing. We're talking about some bagels, some fruit, some various things, hand foods kind of things that are good, um, good for the teachers and good for their team. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to remind us where we've been in this series but what i really want you to see as we talk about soul care 2.0 is that through the entire last few months what we've been talking about is the heart transformation that jesus is working inside of us all of this began with the idea that i am loved that the cross is how i know i am loved that the resurrection is the proof that it's all real and so we can look at and experience the love of jesus deeply And personally but what we realize is that he is working a transformation inside of us that that doesn't end with us as sort of the cul-de-sacs of his love and grace that rather we're to be conduits of his love and his grace and so where we end is with love as well that he is developing hearts that love others hearts that encourage others hearts that forgive others hearts that share generously with others hearts that sacrifice for others and if we're going to impact the next generation if we're going to leave a legacy and the next generation then we must expect that somewhere along the way that's going to cost us something And that gets a little uncomfortable when the pastor starts using words like generosity and legacy and cost, right? Because that almost smells like, like cash. Show me anything you can do in life significant that doesn't involve the sacrifice. Of cash now this is uncomfortable and I know it I tell you something I love about our church if, if you're you if, if you're tired of church as usual if church has made you uncomfortable over the years if if church has seemed like the place who doesn't really care but likes to demand a lot of you I'll tell you on one hand, Harvest is the church for you. I mean, our church is designed with those in mind who felt rejected by the church, who felt abandoned by the church, who have felt left out by the church, and we're so glad you're here. But it's sort of in vogue in churches of our nature, churches that want to be sensitive to those who are unchurched, sensitive to those that are de-churched, who used to go to church but no longer do, sensitive to people who've walked away from church it's pretty in vogue in churches like ours to never talk about certain taboo subjects because we don't want to offend and we don't want to hurt and we don't want to scare people away. But I've more than come to realize that if we never talk about those uncomfortable things, that I'm actually damaging you as your pastor. Right? if we never talk about sacrifices like servanthood and volunteering, then I'm hurting you when it comes to spiritual growth because your soul is in better shape when you're serving other people. If I don't talk about your time and how your time in the Word matters in your life, then I'm hurting you because I'm not sharing with you one of the best sources for sustaining your life. If I don't talk about the uncomfortable subjects, you know, the sins and the honoring God with our bodies and the honoring God with our hearts and our eyes and those kinds of things, if I don't talk about those things, I'm hurting you. Likewise, as I talk about cash or money or generosity today, I don't want to avoid the topic because I really believe I would be sinning against you because I would be robbing you of a biblical indicator of your own spiritual health. An indicator that is often missing in our culture today. But I want to be clear, what I'm making an appeal for this morning has in a lot of ways nothing to do with your money. Because I'm not making an appeal for cash. I'm making an appeal for your heart. For your motivation. This is not like Big Gift Sunday. You know, I'm not asking anybody to come up and like throw their money in so that, this is not what this is. We're not in the middle of a giving campaign where we're trying to raise a lot of funds to build something big. It's just an attempt to show you that one of the best things you can do to care for your own soul is to give away the gospel. And one of the great ways we give away the gospel involves our giving financially. But again, I'm not making an appeal for your money. I'm making an appeal for your heart. Let me show you what I mean. There's this proverb, Proverbs chapter 11, around verse 25 or so, it says, and, and I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, do we have this proverb, Craig? Yeah, let me bring it up. I'm gonna begin, uh, let's go to the next one. I, I'm gonna begin in the second part of this. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. The series is called Soul Care 2.0. What we're talking about are those things that bring refreshment deep to our souls. What this says is whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. That he who does it will be refreshed, that she who does it will be refreshed. I don't know about you, but does it feel like your soul needs some refreshment after the last few years? yeah me too but there's a context for this and let's make sure we catch it a generous person will prosper whoever refreshes others will be refreshed if you go back to the previous verse you get one person gives freely yet gains even more another withholds unduly But comes to poverty this is telling us that often when it comes to math and you and your heart and god that the math doesn't add up that one person gives freely yet at the end of the year somehow even though they've been crazy generous they've got more than they started with and another says i'm going to hold on to what's mine and somehow they get to the end of the year and they have less the math Sorry. These are some really fine, nice sermon notes. You should not ball them up. Even if I say they're mine. The biggest issue in my heart is not an issue of money. The biggest issue in my heart, quite frankly, is how I see God. I'm going to show you this from the Old Testament, this verse we just read, and I'm going to show you this from the New Testament. We'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 in just a second. One gives freely, yet gains even more. One withholds unduly, yet comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. The one who refreshes others will be refreshed. Refreshed. Now, maybe this goes without saying, but we wanna make sure we play connect the dots. The most refreshing thing I can do is give away the gospel. The good news that Jesus Christ loves you, that he died for your sins. If that weren't the case, then why would we do church at all? Quite honestly. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I, I could say with almost 100% certainty that if I didn't, at some point in my story, in my journey, hear the message that Jesus died for my sins and rose again, that I am forgiven, accepted, changed by his grace, we were singing about, that, that, that if that story had not become real to me, I don't think I'd be standing here today. Certainly not as a preacher but I don't think I'd be sitting here today either. I love y'all, y'all are great online, you guys are awesome. I love you guys, but I probably wouldn't be here because I wouldn't know the most important news of life that God in spite of me somehow miraculously still cares about me and loves me and doesn't just want to go look he's religious good but wants to live inside of me and have a relationship with me that jesus didn't come to start a religion he came to start a relationship and i get him to live inside of me and truthfully as we're going to study in the rest of the word this morning The most important thing in my life is how I see my heart in relation to God. So I'm I'm just gonna give it to you real quick and then I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna fill in the outline. My heart, when it comes to cash and money and those kinds of things, can either see God as the taker or see God as the giver. When I see God as the taker, then I think I gotta go to church and I gotta give to God and God is the one taking, that when i uh when i'm sinning that god's the one going no 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 and so god is the one taking when i want something over there and god doesn't provide it that god goes no 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 and god is the one taking i'll either see god in my heart as the taker god says hey these ideas are bad right like the big 10 you know those don't you Right, You've heard those, right? And no other gods before me, and don't lie, and don't steal, and don't cheat. And, right? Don't covet your neighbor's wife or your neighbor's donkey. And There's a bunch of those in the Big Ten. And I can look at those and go, see, God just doesn't want me to have other gods. He's a taker. God just doesn't want me to have pleasure. God's a taker. God just doesn't want me to have fun. God's a taker. Or I can see God as a giver. a giver and when we talk about money I can see God as the supplier to my life the supplier of my blessings and frankly the supplier of my generosity or I can see God as the taker I come to church and I write the check or I go online and I do the ACH transaction or however you do your giving and I can see God as the taker The biggest issue in my life is how I see God. Let me show you why I say this. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I'm going to read verse 8. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8 says, And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You tell me. Does that make God sound like a taker or a giver? God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you notice the repetition there, you will abound in, actually in the original, it says in all good works. It's all, 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 all. That God is the giver but let's back up and see this context again verse six remember this whoever sows sparingly now sowing is a is a farming metaphor right i'm not a farmer are you a farmer any farmers any gardeners all right i'm not a very good gardener either but i know enough to know this if i don't plant anything i shouldn't expect to reap anything right i planted no tomatoes No tomato seeds, no tomato plants. I planted none of that in my backyard this year. It would be really weird to go out tomorrow night and be like, I need to make some salsa. I'm gonna go harvest some tomatoes even though I didn't plant any. That would be weird, wouldn't it? Yes, you already know I'm weird, so. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. So it's telling us that we should be ready givers too, right? That this isn't a reaction that you make at church. You don't wait and see, you know, like how the food was that day and then throw the tip in at the end of the day. That is uncomfortable. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, but not reluctantly and not under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, do you know that all times includes like recessions? Like, we're caught off guard by, you know, crazy inflation and all the, all, the, all the weird stuff that happens in our world. And people will debate endlessly how we got to where we are and whose fault it is. And that's what politics is about. But this says that God knows what he's doing. In all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. He said, Brian, would you preach that if you were in Haiti where people have ultimate poverty and almost nothing? I would tell you that I think people in Haiti probably understand this better than you and I do where we live not in ultimate poverty. And it's not to say there aren't folks in poverty in our church or folks in poverty in our neighborhood. But it is to say that in the American experience, I find that people who live with almost nothing, who literally live dependent upon God day by day by day, they know this verse quite well because they live it. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you'll abound in every good work. Now, I'm going to be cautious here God is not a heavenly cosmic slot machine. I don't put a dollar in and get $10 out. This is not saying that, this gets complicated if I'm honest. Jesus said give and it will be given to you, right? right. So we take verses like that in the American context and we go, if you put 10 in the plate, God's going to give you 100 and if you send a thousand in to my TV show while I fly my private jet, I'll send you a snot rag and God will send you billions. Tell me you don't see TV preachers that kind of sound like that and look like that and that was a horrible imitation. But that's that kind of snake oil turns our stomachs and makes us say that's just the wrong side of religion. God's not a cosmic uh, slot machine. It's not you put your money in and pull God's handle and ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. But if we're gonna leave a legacy in this world where others are refreshed and our souls are refreshed in the process, then I think there's a definitive and definite sense that we trust that God knows exactly what he's doing. And so my heart can either see God as the taker who takes what I have earned in this world or I can see God as the giver who gives everything I have, including the talents or the skills or the gifts or the education or anything that's gotten me to where I am so I can earn what I earn and I can give what I give. If I were to try to like bottom line this, there's a lot of ways I could say it. I could say that you can't outgive God. I could say that the math never adds up, but God's bigger than the math. I could say that you can't outgive the giver, that when you give, God gives more generously to you than you will ever give to others. I could say that generosity breeds generosity, which frankly breeds more generosity, not just in you and in others. But I thought I would say it this way that God is the giver, even when I'm the one giving that frankly God is the giver even when I'm the one giving and the most important thing I can give is the gospel our world has a lot of great causes I, I, I see things that turn my heart and turn my heart there are a lot of great things I can give to right like we partner with Monroe Middle School that's good to give to we come alongside from time to time families who are in desperate need of housing, and that's good to give to. We come alongside people who need food or gas in the tank, and that's good to give to. Frankly, when I see commercials about, you know, when it's like the annual giving for the hospitals that serve kids in need, we're talking about kids with cancer, and I go, that's a good cause. Yeah, it is. Should we give generously? Yes, we should. When disaster strikes in the world and some place in the world is inundated by tragedy, loss of life, it's within our hearts typically to give. And that's a good gesture, that's a good heart. But the most important thing we can give away is the gospel because it changes eternities because it changes lives, because it changes a life who changes another life who changes another life. And think about the ways my kids' lives have been changed because someone changed my life with the gospel. And that can, that can go from generation to generation to generation. Does that make sense? The bottom line here Is that god is the giver even when i'm the one giving verse 6 said whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly whoever sows generously will reap generously each man should give each person should give what they've decided in their heart to give not reluctantly not like oh if i have to not under compulsion like somebody's making me but god loves a cheerful giver and then it goes on to tell us that god having all that he has will make sure we have all that we need this is really telling us that there are two kinds of hearts when it comes to giving and leaving a legacy the heart that wants to give generously sees god as the giver on both sides of the giving god provides it up front so i can give and after i give god refills it so that i can give again and the heart that wants to give uh, reluctantly or under compulsion or feels like it has to or wants to hold back sees god as the taker and just isn't quite sure If I can let go of this what's mine one of the most refreshing things that can happen in your soul is when you begin to understand that God is the giver even when I'm the one giving so again why should we be generous with the gospel why should we be generous with giving for the gospel I gave you two basic reasons in your outline. Number one, I am motivated by grace. I have had my own experience with the gospel, with grace. Therefore, the gospel is the most important thing I can give away, not just financially, but verbally. That when there are other people involved, that the most important thing they need to know is not just that I care about them as a Christian, but more importantly, that Jesus loves them. And you know how far Jesus was willing to go. If you read the broader context that I'm not going to read today, but chapter 8 and chapter 9 are all about this collection for the Lord's people and this generosity that Paul was encouraging among the Corinthians. And he uses the church in Macedonia, which if you're connecting the dots, happens to be the church most likely in Philippi. My God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I want to thank you for your concern. Your gifts supplied me. That Philippians. Right? So he's, he's talking the same message to two churches, and he's encouraging the Corinthian church to do what the Macedonian church did. But in doing so, read chapter 8 again, chapter 9 again. He talks about grace over and over and over and over and over. I'm motivated by grace. Number two, I give the gospel and i am generous with it because everything i have comes from god and frankly everything i have belongs to god oswald sanders said the basic question is not how much of our money we should give to god but how much of god's money we should keep for ourselves if you ever feel like complaining about that 90-10 thing and the whole tithe concept that comes out in Scripture, I want you to realize that if it's all God's, you're keeping a lot more than... What this begins to do is it takes away the, what I would call the myth of mine. There's this great Scripture in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. They're, they're collecting funds to build God's temple. And David says, who am I or who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. It comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you, if I'm just summing it up. This myth of mind thing is kind of funny. It's innate and born into us. You know it, you see it in your kids. I can prove it to you, your grandkids. I can prove it to you. It'll take about one minute. All right, when you get done with church today, pick your grandkids, your kids up, walk them down, drive them down to Target, Walmart, mall, wherever, and buy them a PlayStation 5. (laughs) Say to them, I'm giving this to you because I love you. Every kid who hears this, even online, goes, this is the best church in the world we join in this church let them hold it in their hands to go to the checkout where you have to check it out yourself that's how the world works now (laughs) let them hold it in their seat while you drive home take them into the house and hook it up to the TV right away make sure it all works and let them play for about 30 minutes and say hey have fun I love you. About 30 minutes in, dad's going to walk along and dad's going to say, Hey, can I play? Hey, hey, the one who gave you this, can I play? No, dad, it's mine. Mine. Sorry, I doubt anybody's getting a PlayStation 5 today, but I would say that we play that mind game with God all the time. And the, frankly, never is my heart more generous and more like God's than when I'm generous in giving away grace. Never is my heart more like Jesus than when I'm generous in giving away grace. Many of you know that we love to give here at Harvest. We love to give away the gospel. We love to meet needs. We love to give away relationships. We give away Jesus. And many of you might recognize the name Lois Sparkman. Lois was a member of Harvest in its early, early days. We have a scholarship named the Lois Sparkman Scholarship. Every spring, we give scholarships to college students. And in the years where we go on mission trips, we give away scholarships to people who are going on mission trips. And it's all named after Lois Sparkman. But you probably don't know her whole story. So I asked Becky, who's been around Harvest longer than I have, to come share with us a little bit of Lois's story about leaving a legacy. Craig, I'm gonna pick a mic. Does this one work? You got this? I got it. All right.
1: starting harvest and meeting across the street, their church was getting smaller and smaller. There were only a few families, left, maybe maybe eight or so, that were still attending the Elm Baptist Church. And they finally decided, after the pastor was ready to conservative and a radical. She never married. She was single her whole life. She was born in Texas. She taught school there for a few years and then she she ran a flower shop. In 1952 she moved to Oregon to get her master's degree in education. She taught school in Marcola and then she taught business and economics at um, South Eugene High School where she retired. Now most of us when we retire, <coughs> excuse me, we want to kind of sit back and relax. But not Lois. She decided to go in the mission field and she went, there, went into the mission field for eight years. She taught English in Japan and she, she taught sewing at the Korean Deaf Ministries International. She was one of two single women who, by an honest act of Congress in 1956, were allowed to adopt international children. And she adopted her first son from Japan, and later she adopted a daughter. She was the first single woman to be allowed to take out a mortgage and buy a home in Lane County. Pretty awesome, huh? That was in the 40s. And even into her 90s, she still hosted international students at her home on Villard Street. She had life groups at her home on Villard Street all the time. There was always young people, mostly college students. If you ever went to her home, you'd usually find a few of them there staying. She led the seniors group here for a a number of years, Um, and they told me, (laughs) They told me after she had passed away, the seniors group came to me and asked me if I'd lead their group. And my first thought was, I'm not a senior. (laughs) I was 55, but my second thing was, oh no, I can't follow Lois, because they told me Lois would sit at the head of the table and tell them what they needed to know. (laughs) And that wasn't my style. (laughs) But they also said she was just quite the school marm all the way to the end. She really knew her Bible. Oh my goodness, she knew her Bible. And she would sit out here about where Joan is there and she'd correct Pastor Andy when he was preaching if she thought he misspoke. She never wrote in her Bible. She said, no, you know if I wrote in my Bible, the next time I looked in it, it would distract me from what God wanted me to know on that day. Now, I agreed with her on that, but I agreed with her because I'd worked in a library for a lot of years, and we didn't write in any books. But, um. Now, these four people who came from Gillam to Harvest, uh, they started out over at the school with us, and then when we got this place renovated, moved over here with us. And they usually sat to the back, and almost every week, One of them would write down on their card, the music's too loud. (laughs) Sometimes they would mention, we need some hymns. But mostly it was that the music was too loud. And they would stop the pastor and he would say, thank you, but this is who we are. One day, I I called Pastor Andy this week to make sure I was getting my facts straight. And it was funny because he told me, he says, this is so funny. You're going to share about Lois because I was just having lunch with a man telling him a Lois story. And the story was, he says, he he was out in the atrium uh, one day. And uh, Lois um, came up to him and she said, Pastor, I don't like the music but I like what Jesus is doing in this church and you just keep it up. And that was the heart that Lois had um, not only for Jesus but for this church. Lois died at age 95. The day before she died. Somebody put a phone to her ear because people were still calling her. And they put that phone to her ear and she was telling that person on the other end, now don't you forget to share about Jesus. Can you imagine being 95 and still wanting to share the gospel? When she died in her will, she left her home there on Villard Street. To harvest community church and she requested that the proceeds from selling that church that those um, proceeds go for scholarships and missions and every year her legacy lives on through her kind gift and i really wish that all of you could have known the heart she had for jesus
0: That's a heart that wants to leave a legacy. I never got to know Lois. There are a couple of people who preceded my time here at Harvest Community Church, uh, Dennis Hoagland being another one that I really wish I'd had the chance to meet. I've heard the stories over the years and Andy's told me the stories over the years. And we just thought that a lot of you probably wouldn't know Lois's story. But as we think about leaving the gospel, what about your story? What about your life? What about your heart as it relates to God? For you, is God a giver who's given you not only the gospel but supplied all of your needs? Or has God a taker? This is not like we're passing the plate in a minute, and so I'm trying to like liquor you up, you know? In fact, we're not even passing a plate these days. You guys know that, right? You can give online. You can give through a box in the back. What you give is, in a lot of ways, it's between you and God. But as your pastor, I want to make sure your heart thinks about the legacy you're living and the legacy you're leaving. And what that shows Your kids, your grandkids, and your grandkids' kids. As we think about how to engage young families in the weeks ahead, I want us to think about the legacy we live here in this neighborhood and the legacy we leave here in this neighborhood. And more than anything, I want to ensure that the gospel still goes forward in this place don't you that's we get to be a part of that like for me it's 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 like an exciting thing like a couple of weeks ago we were out out at the park and we went down to the river and we baptized and was like it just kept going and going and going and we baptized nine people that day it was phenomenal it was it was so fun There's nothing better to give away than the gospel. I was reading a story about a father and mother of a young man who'd been killed in military service. And they were part of this little church, and one day, sometime after they'd had the service for their son, they came to the pastor, and they told the pastor, sort of like Lois did, that they wanted to give a monetary gift as to the church in memory of their son. And the pastor said something like you would typically expect, that that's a wonderful gesture on your part. Was it okay if if they shared it with the congregation? And they said it was. And so the next Sunday, the pastor shared with the congregation about this gift given in memory of this couple's son who died in battle. And a lot of people were sort of um, thoughtful, quiet maybe as they left church that day. And on the way home from church, another couple were driving down the highway headed home when one father said to his wife, I think we should give a gift because of our son. And the wife said, but our son hasn't died. (laughs) And the dad said, that's exactly my point. All the more reason we have to give thanks to a God who gives. Every year, college students at Harvest get supported in their pursuit of knowledge because of Lois. And every year, typically, whether through outreach things we do in kids' ministry or through mission trips that we take to Haiti or other places around the world, people get to go in part because of the legacy that Lois left. I think she herself knew that there was nothing better to give away than the gospel. It reminds me of other famous names in international missions that we throw around in our Baptist circles that we happen to partner with. Names like Lottie Moon, Annie Armstrong, who if you didn't notice are all women. Pioneers, whose greatest concern was the gospel and the legacy the gospel would leave. We always end our services here at Harvest with two prayers. One is a prayer of salvation. And if you need the legacy of salvation in your life, I want to make it clear how that happens. But our second prayer will be a prayer of application. And if you need to pray this that this be applied to your life, that there be a heart reset for you today. I'll pray and you can pray it with me. But first, this prayer of salvation. It's so important you know that Jesus died for you, that it's personal, that he loves you, that he loves your friends. You know, in the coming weeks, I'm going to challenge all of us to be praying for some of our friends who need the gospel some of our friends we might invite to the back-to-school bash or, or to the, the Sunday event. We're going to do the Sunday of Halloween and the Friday before Halloween or some of the other things we're going to do to reach young families this year. So a lot of you have already received the gospel, but if you have not, man, the most important thing, the most important thing you need to know is that Jesus really, truly loves you. And you look at yourself in the mirror and you go, but I'm so broken and I'm so messed up and I've got so many problems. And Jesus says, yes, and I love you anyway. And here's how far I'm willing to go. It involved a cross where he would die, a tomb where he would be buried and where he would be raised to life. And in generous grace, he gives away salvation and forgiveness and freedom. He gives away love and kindness. He gives away himself. If you need Jesus today, would you receive him and pray with me? Just like this, dear Jesus, thank you for how far you're willing to go to show me that I am loved. Thank you for dying for my sins. Please forgive them. I turn to you, Jesus, and I ask you to take over my life and make me more like you. Be my God and change me so that I have a heart that gives as well. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I have a story running through my head I'm trying to figure out if I should tell. We were at the park yesterday, and uh, we were actually up in Lowell by Dexter Reservoir, and uh, there was a family beside us. We were kayaking and swimming and hanging out at the lake, and there was a family beside us, and this guy had his brother come over, and there was a whole story with a whole lot of colorful language about how he got invited for a picnic he didn't seem like a picnic guy and he you know he's a rough tough biker guy and how he he you know i wasn't gonna picnic the way people picnic with dainty baskets and there was all of this that went on and on and on with a very colorful language and at one point the man said look I've got a house, i got a boat, I have two Harleys, I have this, I have this, I have this, and somebody's going to judge me thinking I'm something because I don't have a dainty little picnic basket. And the whole time I'm overhearing but trying not to be involved. But you know when you go to the lake and there's like, you go to the beach, right? There's you and there's the next family and then you're sort of like your families have to, right? Because there's no like 30 feet, it's just... So the, the biker guy leaves, and the, the, his brother who was there turns to me and says, Man, I'm so sorry you had to hear that. It's my brother. I love him. I can't do anything about it. But I just got to thinking about how often our human American perspective is, but I've got this, and I've got this, and I've got this, and I've earned this, and I've earned that. And I wonder how much that measures up with what, what David said we read, that everything I have, everything I've accumulated, everything I've been able to accomplish, it all comes from you and from your hand. If you need that spirit reapplied to your soul today, would you pray this prayer of application with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for winning me with your grace, for overcoming my selfishness, with your heart of selflessness. I confess that I often forget that everything I have comes from you and that everything I have is yours. And so thank you for your blessings. Make my heart like yours, one willing to give generously and sacrificially for the gospel, so that others can receive the same grace and the same transformation you've given me. Make me a giver, not a taker, Jesus, just like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. By the way, I tell the story about my colorful friend with his colorful language. Harvest is a church for friends just like that. Let's make sure that never changes. Never. I do want to remind you before we finish today that back in the back, we've got baskets for communication cards. Again, the box for the offering is there. It's between you and the Lord. You can give online as well. If you're with us online today, we're so glad you're worshiping with us. Let's make sure we go with that heart that gives the legacy that Jesus gives. I love you guys. If I can serve you in some way, I'll be outside in just a moment. Love you all. See you next week.